should be a page 16a you're going to need that because we're going to go to that before we go on to the eternal word so we're going to kind of do a little insert excursus we could say all right before we begin tonight let's pray father we thank you for your word and we thank you for your people who are here tonight to partake of it we pray that you would bless this time lord and Bless our people tonight, and we'll thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, we've been talking about the fact that the doctrine of hell is rejected by many people because it doesn't fit with their concept of the love of God and the grace of God and the mercy of God. And we've said that you cannot just build your concept of God on just two or three attributes, but you have to consider all of the attributes when you're building your doctrine of God. And one of the attributes, the 15th attribute, is the attribute of vengeance. And the vengeance of God demands hell. Now, God is the one who says in both the Old and the New Testament that he's a God of vengeance. And then Paul writes in Romans, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord, leave vengeance to God. Now, if God doesn't have hell then where is he going to pour out his vengeance? Where is he going to pour out his wrath? His vengeance demands that there be this place of hell. Let's go back to number 13. The attribute of the veracity and truth of God demands hell. God says that people are going to be punished in eternal fire. He's a God of truth. We read in Titus 1-2 that God cannot lie. So if you have a God who cannot lie, who's a God of truth, and then he says, I'm going to cast people whose names are not written in the book of life into the lake of fire, he has to do it because he's a God of truth. The 14th attribute is the wrath of God demands hell. Many, many passages of the scripture speak of the wrath of God. God must punish sinners and he pour out his wrath on sinners. And of course, eternal fire is the ultimate punishment where the wrath of God is worked out. And then, as we just mentioned, the vengeance of God also demands hell. And God is a God who pours out vengeance. So those 15 attributes that we have gone through are attributes that would indicate there must be hell. So you can't just build your theology on one or two attributes. You have to take God in every way that he reveals himself to be. One of the arguments that they use against this doctrine of hell is that hell is an English word, and hell is that found in the Bible, and that is a typical argument that's used by the merciists, and I'm using the term merciists to refer to those who would not want this doctrine of hell. And they'll argue the fact that the word hell is an English word. It was first used around the year AD 725, and we've already addressed that point. It is an English word. It was used around AD 725, but there are a lot of different words. We've gone through them all in this study. I mean, there's the word like Sheol, the lower chamber. You have Hades, you have Gehenna, you have Abaddon, you have Tartarus. I mean, you have all of those words there, and hell is an English word that's often used to cover the whole gamut of those words. But here's an argument that no one may deny when it comes to the Bible, and that is the use of the noun fire. And I want to really crawl through this. The noun fire, esh, and you can write this down, is used some 357 times in the Old Testament. 357 times in the Old Testament. Now, we're not going to track them all down tonight, 
That's the Hebrew word esh. The Greek word is pure, and it's used 70 times in the New Testament. Now, when you look at the Septuagint, and you look at the word that's used for fire in the Septuagint, lots of times it'll be that word pure that is used in the New Testament, which is the Greek word for fire. So to establish that fire is a term that's used in the Bible to refer to a real fire, a place of punishment, what I'd like to do for a few moments tonight is just march through some scripture and see what the Bible says about fire. So forget the word hell. We won't even look at that. Oh, we will a couple of places, I guess, when we get over in the New Testament. But mostly, we're just going to structure fire. What we want to mentally do here, as we go through this, and we'll just go straight through these verses, what we want to mentally do is ask ourselves, well, now, does this seem to be referring to real fire? Roll that through your mind, because we'll ask and answer this at the end of this. Does this seem to be referring to real fire? Could we conclude that when it talks about this fire, it's a real literal fire? I guess that's what we're going to ask. Now, the first one I want you to go to is Genesis 19.24. It, of course, is the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. And in Genesis 19.24, we're just going to go through in chronological order some of these Old Testament references. In Genesis 19.24, we read, Then the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew these cities and all the valley and all the inhabitants of the cities what grew on the ground. Now, you would certainly conclude in reading that verse that that does appear to be real fire that came down as a destructive judgment of God that, in fact, left everything burned. That's what you would conclude from just reading that. At least that's what I would conclude. Now, let's go over to Exodus chapter 9. We'll walk through this right in chronological order, and I am not going to take us through all 357 references, but we will go to enough to establish our point. In Exodus 9.24, we read, So there was hail and fire flashing continually in the midst of the hail, very severe, such as not been in all the land of Egypt since it became a nation. And the hail struck all that was in the field through the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And hail also struck every plant of the field and shattered every tree of the field. So we learn here that there was fire that was connected to judgment against the Egyptians. That's the statement that's made there. Let's go to Leviticus chapter 10. Leviticus chapter 10. Just keep going right in your Bible over to Leviticus chapter 10. And in Leviticus chapter 10, we read in verse 1, Now Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took their respective fire pans after putting fire in them, placed incense on it, and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. And fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed them, and they died before the Lord. Now, you read that and you're going, well, they had these fire pans, so it must have been a real fire. And certainly we see here that fire of the Lord is connected to judgment because when they did this, fire came from God and judged them and burned them. Now, let's go to Numbers 16.35. Just keep rolling right in your Bible over to Numbers 16. Numbers 16.35. We read in Numbers 16.35 that 
fire also came forth from the Lord and consumed the 250 men who were offering the incense. So what we would learn from that is God sent a fire that was obviously connected to his judgment. I mean, very early in the Bible, what we would be able to conclude is fire is from God, fire is really burning, and fire is connected to judgment. We can make those observations just very simply on the basis of what we've already seen. Now let's go to Numbers 26. Numbers 26. And notice verse 10. This is the same reference. And the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up along with Korah when that company died, when they fired of our 250 men so that they became a warning. Now, obviously, fire burned these guys up, and that became a warning. This judgment became a warning to the other people. That's what the text says. Now, go over to Numbers 31. Numbers 31. In Numbers 31, well, let's start at verse 9. The sons of Israel captured the women of Midian and their little ones and all the cattle and all their flocks and all their goods they plundered. Then they burned up all the cities where they lived and all their camps with fire. So if you're burning up the cities and you're burning up the camps with fire, you have to conclude it must be a literal fire or you can't burn up a city or burn up a camp. So it has to be a literal fire. That's what I want you to see. We're just making objective observations about what God has revealed. Flip over to Joshua chapter 7. Joshua chapter 7. And in Joshua chapter 7, we read in verse 15, It shall be that the one who is taken with the things under the ban, this is the story of Ai, shall be burned with fire. And he and all that belongs to him, because he has transgressed the covenant of the Lord, and because he's committed a disgraceful thing in Israel. Drop down to verse 25. Joshua said, Why have you troubled us? The Lord will trouble you this day. And all Israel stoned them with stones, and they burned them with the fire after they had stoned them with stones. You don't have to use the word hell there, but you certainly can't deny the word fire is there. And you also can't deny that the word fire is there in a context of judgment. I mean, Achan is burned in the fire as a judgment of God. Go over to Joshua chapter 8. Joshua chapter 8. And notice in verse 8, Then it will be when you have seized the city that you shall set the city on fire. You shall do it according to the word of the Lord. See, I've commanded you. Drop down to verse 19. The men in ambush rose quickly from their place, and when he had stretched out his hand, they ran and entered the city and captured it and quickly set the city on fire. So if we're just tracking the word fire through the Old Testament, we would certainly conclude you're talking about real fire that burns things. That's what we're talking about here. All right, let's go to Judges 20. Judges 20 and verse 48. Judges 20 and verse 48. The men of Israel then turned back against the sons of Benjamin and struck them with the edge of the sword, both the entire city with the cattle and all that they found. They also set on fire all the cities that they found. They burned down the cities. And they burned down the cities of fire, let's put it in the context, as a righteous punishment. They're burning this down as a righteous punishment with fire. That's the word we're looking for, fire. We're not talking about the noun hell. We're talking about the noun fire. 
And that is obviously used there. Now let's go to 1 Samuel 30. 1 Samuel chapter 30. Just keep rolling right in your Bible over to 1 Samuel chapter 30. And verse 1. Then it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had made a raid on the Negev and on Ziklag and had overthrown Ziklag and burned it with fire. Verse 3, when David and his men came to the city, behold, it was burned with fire, and their wives and their sons and their daughters had been taken captive. Verse 14, same chapter. We made a raid on the Negev of the Carathites and on that which belongs to Judah and on the Negev of Caleb, and we burned Ziklag with fire. Again, what we have here is specific places stated they were burned with fire. Now let's go to 2 Samuel chapter 14, 2 Samuel chapter 14, and this is talking about Joab's field in 2 Samuel 14 verse 30, therefore he said to his servant, see Joab's field is next to mine and he has barley there, go and set it on fire. So Absalom's servants set the field on fire, verse 31, then Joab arose came to Absalom at his house and said, why have your servants set my field on fire? Now, obviously, we're talking about real fire, real fire. So you can't just allegorize this. When you're reading this stuff about fire, you have to say, well, it is talking about fire that really burns. I mean, that's what we're talking about here. Let's go to 2 Samuel 23, 2 Samuel 23 and verse 7, 2 Samuel 23 and verse 7. But the man who touches them must be armed with iron and the shaft of a spear, and they will be completely burned with fire in their place. Now, David warns that a worthless person here, and this is one of his last sayings, that a worthless, God-mocking person is going to be completely burned with fire. That's what he says. They'll be completely burned with fire. That'll be a judgment that God is warning. Now let's go to 1 Kings chapter 18. Just keep rolling. 1 Kings chapter 18. In verse 38. Now this is the story where Elijah, you know, he has them fill up the altar with buckets and buckets of water. And in 1 Kings 18.38, then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. So we would have to say, well, that had to have been literal fire because it burned up the water that was drenching an alder. I mean, we're talking about real literal fire here. Let's go to 2 Kings 1, 2 Kings 1. And this is an interesting statement here. In fact, this is an interesting text starting at verse 10. Well, let's start at verse 9. Then the king sent to him a captain of 50 with his 50, and he went up to him, and behold, he was sitting on the top of a hill, and he said to him, O man of God, the king says, come down. They're calling out to Elijah. Elijah replied to the captain of 50, If I'm a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50. Then fire came down from heaven and consumed him and his 50. So he again sent to him another captain of 50 and his 50. And he sent to him, O man of God, thus says the king, come down quickly. Elijah replied to them, If I'm a man of God... Let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50. Then the fire of God came down from heaven and consumed him and his 50. So he again sent the captain of a third 50 with his 50. 
When the third captain of 50 went up, he came and bowed down on his knees before Elijah and begged him and said to him, O man of God, please let my life and the lives of these 50 servants of yours be precious in your sight. Behold, fire came down from heaven and consumed the first two captains of 50 with their 50s, but now let my life be precious in your sight. The angel of the Lord said to Elijah, go down with him. Do not be afraid of him. So he arose and he went down with him to the king. Now, you can certainly see from that very context, you're talking about literal fire that literally burns people. That is very, very obvious. Literal fire that literally burns people. Because you have a third captain who goes down there and he acknowledges those previous 102, captain plus 50, those previous 102 have been burned up by God. Please don't let that fire burn us up. So what we would say just by making objective observations is that we're talking here, when the Bible uses this word esh, it is talking about literal fire. Now let's go over to 1 Chronicles 14, 1 Chronicles 14. This is what David did to the Philistines in the camp in 1 Chronicles 14, 12. They abandoned their gods there, so David gave the order and they were burned with fire. We're tracking passages where fire is discussed, and when we look at these passages, we say, well, it's a punishment thing, it's a judgment thing, and it's a real thing. I mean, that's what we conclude from this. Let's go to Job 1, Job 1. In Job 1 and verse 16, what we see here in Job 1.16 is, While he was still speaking, another also came and said, The fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them, and I alone have escaped to tell you. So we can see here it was real fire. It really came and it burned up things. That becomes very clear. Now let's go to the book of Psalms, just a few passages from there. We'll go to Psalm 11. And verse 6, Psalm 11, verse 6, Upon the wicked he will rain snares, fire and brimstone and burning wind will be the portion of their cup. Now, God says, I'm going to use as a judgment for the wicked fire. I'm going to burn them. That's what he says he's going to do. Go to Psalm 21, 9. Psalm 21, 9. We read, you will make them as a fiery oven in the time of your anger. The Lord will swallow them up in his wrath, and fire will devour them. Man, how much clearer can you get than that? I mean, he's talking here about the fact that God's enemies are going to be burned in fire. Fire is going to devour them. That's the statement he's making there. All right, let's go to Psalm 78. Psalm 78. And verse 63. Psalm 78, 63, we read, Fire devoured his young men, and his virgins had no wedding songs. I mean, God was so angered by Israel's wicked idolatry that he actually burned up these young men with fire. That's the statement he's making. He burned them up with fire. Then Psalm 97, Psalm 97, 3. Look at the statement in Psalm 97, 3. Fire goes before him and burns up his adversaries round about. I mean, God is basically saying, I reign, I burn up my adversaries, and I burn them up with fire. Then let's go to Psalm 140, 10. Psalm 140, 10. I think this is very important that we have this ingrained in our minds because this is one of the great arguments that you can always use for the doctrine of hell. 
They may try to quibble about words, but you can say you can't quibble about fire. Fire is non-negotiable when it comes to looking into the word of God. In Psalm 140, verse 10, may burning coals fall upon them. May they be cast into the fire, into deep pits from which they cannot rise. I mean, that is a passage of scripture that is a psalm of David in which he's basically saying wicked people are going to be cast into this fire and they're not going to be able to get out of there once they're cast into this fire. Now let's go to Isaiah chapter 9, Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 18, Isaiah 9, 18 and 19. For wickedness burns like a fire, it consumes briars and thorns, it even sets the thickets of the forest aflame, and they roll upward in a column of smoke. By the fury of the Lord of hosts, the land is burned up, and the people are like fuel for the fire. No man spares his brother. That is a potent text. God says, I burn up wicked people in fire, and I don't spare anybody. I track them down and burn them up. Then let's go to Isaiah 30. Isaiah 30 and verse 27. Isaiah 30, verse 27. Behold, the name of the Lord comes from a remote place. Burning is his anger and dense is his smoke. His lips are filled with indignation and his tongue is like a consuming fire. His breath is like an overflowing torrent which reaches to the neck to shake the nations back and forth in a sieve and to put in the laws of the people the bridle which leads to ruin. You will have songs as in the night when you keep the festival and gladness of heart as when one marches to the sound of the flute to go to the mountain of the Lord to the rock of Israel and the Lord will cause his voice of authority to be heard and the descending of his arm to be seen in fierce anger and in the flame of a consuming fire in cloudbursts, downpour, and hailstones. So he says to his people, I will take care of my people, but I want you to understand something. The wicked people, I'm going to shower with fire. I'm going to burn them. That's what I'm going to do to the wicked people. I'm going to burn them. I want you to go to Isaiah 33 and notice verse 12. The peoples will be burned to lime like cut thorns which are burned in the fire. So there you have it. God's saying, I'm going to burn wicked people in the fire. Let's go to Isaiah 66, the last chapter in the book of Isaiah, chapter 66. And we read in verses 15 and 16, For behold, the Lord will come in fire, and his chariots like the whirlwind to render his anger with fury and his rebuke with flames of fire. For the Lord will execute judgment by fire and all his sword on all flesh, and those slain by the Lord will be many. So there's obviously going to be fire connected to his final judgments. Now just a couple of more from the Old Testament. Let's go to Jeremiah 34. Jeremiah 34. And notice verse 2. Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Go and speak to Zedekiah, king of Judah, and say to him, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I'm giving this city into the hand of the king of Babylon, and he will burn it with fire. Now, God is basically, at this point, sanctioning a judgment to come in which it would be burned with fire. Verse 22, same chapter. We read, Behold, I'm going to command, declares the Lord, and I will bring them back to this city, 
and they will fight against it and take it and burn it with fire, and I will make the cities of Judah a desolation without inhabitant. So God is basically saying, I am sanctioning this judgment that's going to come in which my people are going to be hit with judgment and there's going to be fire that's going to burn it down. That's what he's saying. Then finally, let's go to Ezekiel chapter 15, a couple from Ezekiel. Chapter 15 and verse 7. And I set my face against them, though they have come out of the fire, yet the fire will consume them. Then you will know that I'm the Lord when I set my face against them. And then finally, over to Ezekiel 20. And we'll finish up the Old Testament with this. Verse 47. And say to the forest of the Negev, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, behold, I am about to kindle a fire in you. And it will consume every green tree in you, as well as every dry tree. The blazing flame will not be quenched, and the whole surface from the south to the north will be burned by it. All flesh will see that I, the Lord, have kindled it. It shall not be quenched. Then I said, Ah, Lord God, they are saying of me, is he not just speaking in parables? God said, I'm going to use blazing fire as a judgment. We'll handle New Testament passages next week because our time is gone. But here's what I want us to think about here in regard to what we've covered tonight. By just examining the use of the word fire in the passages we went through, would you conclude, I mean, could you say to anybody who's challenging you, could you conclude that that fire does appear to be a real fire? Absolutely. There's no other way to get around that. And you look at the word fire, that is a real fire that's being discussed there. Okay, so then would you also conclude by just reading that word fire that we've read that it sits in a context of judgment? Almost every one of those passages that has that word fire sits in a context of either a judgment that did happen or a judgment that was promised to happen. So if... The English word hell was used, and it was used in regard to refer to a place of fiery punishment. Would that be a legitimate use of the word? I would say yes, yes. If you took the English word hell and you said, well, we're going to say that what hell represents is this fiery place of punishment, well, when we track the word fire, that certainly is a legitimate use of the word. So if people want to disregard hell as a biblical word, and maybe they do, maybe you want to disregard the word hell, you can't disregard the word fire. Fire. Because in the context of judgment, and in the context of God's anger, and in the context of God pouring out his wrath, there is that word fire. And there's no getting around that. That's as clear as can be. And I just went through... Man, oh man, we just did 29 of 357 uses of the word fire in the Old Testament. So I think we've proved our point. All right, our time is long gone. We'll pick it up here next time. Any questions or comments? Yes, Chris? Yes, and I uh, went ahead a little bit, and in uh, Matthew 5.22, at the end of that uh, verse, it says fiery hell. Exactly. I don't know if that's what it says, you know, in the Greek. Well, the fiery's there. The fiery's there. And that's what we're keying on, the word fire. Yeah. yeah. We got a great day planned Sunday. We're polishing off Romans. Uh, I'll tell you what we're going to do our next series after this one. We'll call it the Missing Psalms and Proverbs series. We're missing some different psalms and different proverbs out on the website. Why we're missing them, we don't know, but we are. 
So we're going to cover some of the Psalms and the Proverbs that we want to kind of make sure we have available for people that are listening to this. But Sunday night, you're going to be fascinated. It's going to give you two maps. We're going to show you where Hamas is attacking from the Gaza area. You're going to get a map that you're going to see this, and then you're going to see interesting predictions about those very places. So we'll have a great day of worship Sunday. Thanks for coming. Good night. The Lord bless you.